Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, August 14th, year of our Lord, 2023. And this is episode number 96. One thing I was thinking about here recently is... um, death and and specifically the death of a Christian I've often so you know Paul Paul said that uh, to live is Christ to die is gain like there, there's a gain in death it's a it's a positive for the Christian it's it's an addition it's not a subtraction you, you're gaining something you know we get to go to eternal glory. Uh, where there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no tears, there's no sorrow, there's no more um, weight of sin and shame and guilt and failure. It's it's all gone. You know, we'll we'll be eternally glorified, and like that's an amazing thing. Like I've often thought. So I I lived in. Um, St. Paul for many years, St. Paul, Minnesota, and on my way to work, I'd have to drive, if you're familiar with the area, I'd drive down 35, um, 35E, I lived just north of the city, and my work was south of the city, so I'd, I'd drive right through the city, and as I'm, I'm driving down 35, I'd have the city skyline in front of me, uh, with the skyscrapers, and, and just, um, you know, what what a typical city looks like. And I'd be looking at it, and I'd often, my thoughts would go towards, what if there was a nuclear, like, war? What if, what if as I'm driving to work, I see a nuclear missile coming towards the city? And, you know, that's it. There, there's no, there's no escape. It's done. That missile hits. It's wiping out everything in a 30-mile radius. And so it would, it would be over. And I've tried to explain this to other brothers. I don't think they, they, they get it or they think maybe I'm not. They, they assume that I'm not thinking things through all the way. Um, because there is, in death, there is a, a fear of the pain. There's a fear of what the process is going to be like as your body shuts down. Like, what's that going to feel like? Um, what kind of... What kinda, fear of the unknown or whatever but I I honestly I don't have that because I mean there is fear of the pain like nobody wants to go through pain and suffering so it's like the the unknown of what it's going to feel like that that certainly affects me but the unknown of what's going to happen that's not a reality for me that shouldn't be a reality for a Christian I know what's going to happen when I take my last breath I know where I'm going I, I know what the end result is and it's gain. And so honestly, like when I'd be driving and I'd think about that, there's, it was a joyous feeling to me. Not, not in the sense of like, you know, all these innocent, not innocent, but all these people are going to die and there's going to be all this suffering. Like, that's not what I'm thinking about, but I'm looking at it thinking that it's a relief. Like there would just be a sense of, of great relief, like a sigh of, it would be a joyous thought to me because it's like, man, it's over, 
you know, the, the work is done, the labor is over, and, and it would, it would be, yeah, that, that's the best way to describe it as a relief, I'd feel like when I think about that missile hitting the city and what my last thoughts would be, it was just a, you know, like a, uh, an exhale, an exhale of, of, of relief, that's the only word I can think of, sorry, is relief, um, because my life as a Christian is a struggle, you know, it's the Romans 7, there's, I want to be holy, I want to be obedient to God, I want to be pleasing to God, I want to be holy, but I'm not, you know, I, I fail so frequently. Every single day I wake up, it's almost like immediately there's sinful thoughts. There's thoughts of lust, there's thoughts of vengeance, there's thoughts of anger and frustration, there's thoughts of um, just all sorts of impurity. And that that's a, a struggle, it's a hardship. Um to do what we don't want to do, you know, to, to have your inner man crying out for obedience and love to God and then your outward flesh failing and, and sinning so frequently. It's a tremendous weighty thing that's just, it's laborious. It, it feels, it is a struggle each day. It's, it's an inward fight against sin. It's an inward fight against self. It's um, just this struggle against our human nature. And, you know, I, I hate self. I hate the flesh. It, it's an enemy. It deceives me. It um, leads me astray. It entraps me. It, it causes me to do so many wicked, evil things that I don't want to do, and I just, I despise it, I loathe it, and, and it really is a hardship, like, every day is a struggle against that, and to, to have the thought of, man, it's over, I don't have to struggle with that anymore, like, I don't have to, I won't have to, to, to me, the thought of, one of the most glorious thoughts of heaven is the idea that there will be no more sin. Like, the idea that the thought of sin won't even occur to us anymore. There'll be, there'll be no more sinful, I'll never think another sinful thing. I'll never have to deal with that weight again. I'll never have to, to fight anymore. The fight will be over. And that's such a, a tremendous, joyous relief. And then you add to it, you think about like, all the pains and, and sufferings that you have, like the physical pains and sufferings, like, and I'm sure this is common for everybody, but every single day I wake up, I've got, um, shoulder pain. I, I don't know what it is, but for the last 10, 15 years, I've got something in my, my right shoulder that's constantly in pain and, and it moves up into my neck and, um, it makes sleeping very difficult, like, 
for me, sleep is a is a is a is a problem as well. Like everybody likes to sleep, likes the feeling of sleep, but I dread the idea of waking up because I know I'm going to wake up in pain. I'm going to wake up with neck pain and and shoulder pain, and then nine days out of ten, it causes a headache. You know that creeps up behind my right ear and into my forehead. Um, so I've I've always got that that pain. Always, it's it's always present with me. And some days it's worse than others, but um, even as I'm talking, you know, I'm thinking about it, I can feel it in my, my right shoulder blade. There's just this lingering pain. And then I'm sure we've all, you know, the, a lot of days there's there's stomach discomfort, you know, depending on your diet and what you ate. There's like this, this kind of uneasy, sick feeling in your stomach a lot of times. Um, people have tooth pain all the time if you got a cavity or something. Um you know, I got, I got a tooth that's sensitive. I don't think there's a cavity or anything, but it's, it's sensitive to temperatures, sensitive to cold and hot. And so that's always present with me. And, um, you know, you think about your, your joints as you get older, especially, um, there's always some sort of joint pain. Like my, my hips are always in discomfort. Um, you think about your muscles, yeah, I've got constant leg muscle pain, and um, you know, it, we grow calloused to it. Like we, 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 we have a the human body is pretty amazing that we get used to things, and so we just kind of, unless you really think about it, you don't notice it. You just go about your day, but there's always a tightness or a fatigue in the muscles. Um, so you've just got all, and people, a lot of people have it way worse than me. Some have it uh, not as bad as me, and but the, everybody's got something. Everybody's got some sort of discomfort or pain, and and that is a daily battle as well. Um, and to think that that at death, when when we go to heaven as born again Christians, that's over. I'll never ever have to feel like it doesn't. You, your mind can't even comprehend it because we're so accustomed to discomfort and pain. To think about what it would be like to have no physical ailments at all, to just be comfortable. Um, that's another glorious thought, you know, and, and to think about f- fatigue, just think about how often you're tired. You know, I'm, I'm tired right now. I just woke up, uh, what is it? It's 848 in the morning. I woke up at 630, woke up tired and I'm, I'm tired driving to my Bible study and I'm going to be trying, I'm going to be tired all day long, you know, and, and, throughout my work week, you know, midday hits and you're exhausted and you just want to take a nap. And like to think that's going to be gone. I'll never be fatigued or tired again. Um, and sorrow, you you think about the heartaches and, and heartbreaks that you've had in life, the people that have hurt you, the disappointments you've had, the loneliness that, that we experience, all those things are going to be gone. It's over. It's done. It's, it's the death of a saint. You know, there's that verse that says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of a saint. It is a precious thing. It's a glorious thing. It's, it's scary to think about the process of going through it, but the act itself is a freedom. We're being released from this body of suffering and and shame, and we're going to be glorified forever. And 
that's so joyous. It's such a great thing. So for the for the Christian, death should be a completely different experience than for those that are lost. Um, for those that are lost, there is great terror. There is great fear, and there ought to be. They're going to judgment. They're going to torment. You know, their court case has been called, and they're going before the judge uh, with no co- with guilt and, and no covering, no way out. They're doomed. They're done. It's over. And so for the death of the lost, there's not only the, the fear of the, the pain and the, the process of dying, what that's going to feel like, what that's going to be like, but there's also, you're now entering into the, 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 the spiritual realm. You're now entering into the, the presence uh, of demons and devils that are going to afflict your soul. And, and you're going before the almighty judge of everything who is furious at your sin. You know, the, the great God who cannot be trifled with. And you're going to stand before him guilty. Um, so there, there is terror. There should be mind-numbing terror in the death of the lost. Like, like it is unfathomable. It's, it's, it's beyond terror. It's, it's incomprehensible what that would be like. But for the saint, it's completely different. It's, it's, it's a thousand percent different. It's, it is like Paul said. It's gain. It is a glorious thing. Your battle is over. And you're going into eternal glory. These things that weigh us down and hurt us and cause suffering and pain are gone forevermore. Your sin is gone forevermore. You don't ever have to deal with it anymore. It's, it's, your work is done. Now you get to go home and rest. And, and that's an amazing thought. And so that's, that's the other thought about this too, is because it's like, I've often thought, if death is gain, if if death is our it's it's our reward, you know the the eternal life is our reward. We're getting to go into glory. We're getting to go to be with Jesus. Then what is the point of keeping us here? It's like why why don't we get saved? You know we're born again and immediately just taken from the earth, just immediately in, in the presence of God. It seems like that would be the most beneficial thing for us. We wouldn't have to deal with the struggles of sanctification. We wouldn't have to go through the battles against sin. We wouldn't have to deal with the suffering and the sorrows of life. It's just instantly into glory. Like, from a human perspective, from from our optimal comfort and peace perspective, it would make sense to, to get saved and to die. But that's not the way the Lord does it. He leaves us here. He saves us. He seals us for himself. So when he seals us, he guarantees us. He says, you know, I'm not going to lose you, but you have to dwell here for a little bit. And it's like, why? Why do we have to dwell here? And the whole reason is because it's the means by which God uses to draw others. There are other sheep out there. There's other people that need to be born again. There's other people that need to be saved. And God uses us. He, that's the, the method that he chooses to use is the church, the, the people, the body of Christ. He chooses to use us as his body, as his vessels. And so the whole point of us being here on earth, it's not to seek after materialism or, or the American dream or, or even a family. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with raising a family, but 
the whole point of us being saved is to be used by God to save others. He, he saves us to, to use us as arrows, as, as beacons of light to point other people towards Christ. That is what we're supposed to do with our time here. When you get saved, you are now put into the field. You are now a laborer. He has saved you and said, now go to work. You know, go tell others. You spread the word. The, the word is our weapon. The word is the means by which people are saved. And we have the word. We, we, we've been saved and we know the truth. We, we have the word in us. It is our duty and our job now to bring that word to others through all the various talents and and, and uh, gifts that we have. You know, there's a, a thousand different ways to do it. Um, start a podcast, do a YouTube ministry, get on social media, spread the word, pray for people, hand out gospel tracts, um, write your thoughts, write a book, uh, sing a song, um, you know, preach, go to the street corners, hold up a sign, there's, there's all sorts of different ways and everybody's different. You know, the Lord will give you desires and, um, he'll make, you know, you know what you're good at, you know what you're not good at. And, um, the, the point is just use your talents and gifts to labor because that's why we're here. If you're not doing that as a Christian, then what is the point? What, what did you get saved for? Is it just for yourself is it selfish? Ooh, I'm in heaven now. Now I'm going to go just live the American dream and, and wait to go to heaven. Like, that's... That's ridiculous. It's... It's silly. It's stupid. That's not what you're saved for. You're not saved to just go live for self then. You know, well, I got my ticket to heaven. So now I'm just going to lock down and, and ride it out. Try to make things as good and comfortable for myself as possible. And, and wait till the end. I got my guarantee for heaven, and, and now I just got to wait to get there. And I'm going to try to make the best of things while, while I wait. That's not the point. Your, your point is not a life of comfort and ease. Your point is, is a life of labor. You have been saved so that others can get saved. And so we're supposed to do that labor um, until it's done. You know, work until the until until the twelfth hour. Work until the Lord says, "All right, it's done," and calls you home. And that that's what that's what death is for the saint. It's it's clocking out. It's saying, "All right, job's done." And we don't know when that is. the The Lord has us each here for a set amount of time to labor. Um, you know, Paul said that too. He said, "I want to go back to heaven, but I know that there's work to be done." He said, it's beneficial for me to stay for the sake of you all. You know, I've got to stay because there's sheep to be saved. I have to stay here in labor. It would be good for me to just go home, you know, just to, to go clock out and, and go rest. But there's things to be done. And and that is what it is for us as well. We, we've got work to do. And, and so we need to use our time, use our resources um, to labor, to work. Work as hard as you can, you know. Give it your all. Burn the candle at both ends, uh, because a candle burning at both ends burns brightest. You know, and, and we want to be that that lamp on a hill. We don't want to shade it and put it under a bushel. We're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Go be the light. Go be the salt. Shine forth. 
in, in again, in all these various different ways, work hard 24-7 if we can. I mean, we got to sleep and we got to eat and we got to pay bills, you know, so we have to unfortunately do secular work as well. But every other minute that you can, use all your strength, all your effort um, to labor for the kingdom. Do work for the king. And then when it's done, rejoice that it's done. Rejoice that you get to go home. Rejoice that you get to clock out and you don't have to, you know, it's hard. The, the labor is hard. We have to suffer. We have to go through things. And we have to deal with these pains and these sorrows and, and these heartaches and the, the hardships. And um, But just keep going. Just keep laboring. Keep working. Um, and then rejoice when that day is over. Rejoice when it's time to go home. There's something I've been thinking about talking about for a while, um, but I don't know really how to express it because, I mean, I'm going to have to be really transparent to talk about it. And I just feel like people are going to think I'm such a horrible, terrible person when they hear this. Um, so I, I would hope that you would grant me grace and understand that I recognize this as a wickedness in me. You know, I see it as, as a sinful thing. I, I, I see it. I'm aware of it, and I, I, um, I do want it to be gone from from my my character. I I want to be free from this. I want to be, you know, the goal of the Christian is to continually strive towards holiness, and so an awareness of this fault within me, um, as a born again saint, I I, I don't want it there, and so so. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just say it and, and just risk having everybody think lowly of me, but, um, there's this old saying that familiarity breeds contempt and it's the idea that, um, the closer you are with somebody, the more you're with somebody, um, eventually you're going to grow irritated with that person. And that's a truism that we all, we all know. I mean, if you're with somebody, especially like I think about people in marriages, but if you're with somebody 24-7, their personality traits, their quirks, whatever, things that you may have initially found attractive or whatever, they're they're going to start to bother you. You just, it's just the way it is, you know, and, and so that's something we have to fight against. We have to remember to be loving and kind and gentle. Um, but the more you're around somebody, the more... Um, irritable you become with them the more you start to you just kind of get used to their traits and you know what's coming and so you you dislike it you know there there grows a little bit of bitterness in your heart um marriages they talk about that seven year itch you know around the seven year period people start to grow very weary of each other and um seek a way out you know and, and christians uh push through that you know we're, we're required to push through that to recognize it as a fault in ourselves, it's a selfishness, and to continue to pursue love. But I think there's something on the on the flip side of that coin as well, and I think it's um, 
I guess the, the best way to phrase it would be isolation breeds contempt or isolation breeds bitterness. And what I mean by that is because I'm, I'm, I'm a single guy. I live by myself. I work from home. You know, um, I have a very small circle of friends that I gather with on the weekends. Um, but other than that, it's it's just me. You know, I'm just in my apartment. Um, after work, I go to the gym. I'm usually by myself in the gym. Um, I don't really talk to my family all that much. I'm an introvert. Um, you know, I, I, I don't go to church on a regular basis. My My small group of friends on Saturday, which continues to get smaller every year, it seems like, is really my only source of interaction and friendship. Um, I do, you know, the social media ministries and things like that, but I'm just real isolated. Um, I've, re I've read that A.W. Pink was that way too, and so I've always felt a kinship with him. Um, he, he was described, I think, as kind of a curmudgeon. Um, and I try not to be. I, tr I try... My my natural disposition, I guess you'd call it my resting face or whatever, is is one of um, disdain, or I just I kind of look grumpy all the time. I think, I think that intimidates people, and and so it makes it even harder to have um, interactions and relationships with people. I I just look like an unapproachable person. And a lot of times I get criticized for that, you know, when people are like, oh, you're supposed to be filled with joy. And I try to explain, well, joy is an internal thing. You know, just the way I look, you know, I, I have a furrowed brow and a, a set jaw and I don't smile often. That doesn't mean I'm unhappy or unjoyous. That's just just the way I am. It's just my disposition. I'm, uh, I'm constantly in my own thoughts. I'm internalizing everything, thinking about every motive and desire. So I'm not really... Uh, focused on on the externals i'm 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 again i'm i'm an introvert and and i'm a solemn um i don't know what you would call it morose not morose morose implies so, some sort of sadness but um i'm a serious person you know and there there's a contradiction there too cuz i i've been told i'm really funny you know i i when in a social setting, I'm able to turn on the charm and I have self-depreciating humor. And, and so I'm able to like make people laugh and make friends quick. I just don't do it often. I'm, I'm usually just very serious with my demeanor. Um, in my heart, I'm playful and funny and whatever, but I just take things, I take serious things seriously. And I feel like we should, for the most part, be serious people and should be thoughtful and, and 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 talking about serious issues and whatever but i'm i'm getting way off track here the point is i'm an isolated person you know i don't have a whole lot of interaction and it hasn't always been that way it seems like it gets worse uh every year and so what i've noticed and and this is the terrible part of myself here that people are going to you know uh say i'm a horrible person um but i start to notice I don't know what the word is. I I don't. It's almost despising. It's um, a disdain, a dislike, a discomfort. Um. When I'm around people, like when I go out into into public, I just 
there's a lot of different reasons. There's, I think the fact that I'm so isolated, I think that breeds selfishness because I'm able to do what I want. I'm able to organize and systematize my life in a way that suits me. And so I don't have to deal with anybody interfering with that. When I'm out in public, you know, there's a lot of, uh, when you introduce other people, there's elements of chaos. It's going to interrupt the way I want to do things. It's, it, conversations aren't going to be the way I, I want to have them, or they're not going to be topics that I want to talk about. And so there's a part of that, that the element of, of chaos and disorganization. Um, but a big, huge part of this is that I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I'm not extreme to the point where it's debilitating. Um, I'm, I'm able to function, but you know, I, I wash my hands all the time. Um, I'm hygienic. Um, I try to smell good. I try to have clean clothes, you know, and, and, um, I'm really, (laughs) this is the terrible part. I'm really grossed out by people. You know, I'm aware that a lot of people are not hygienic. They don't wash their hands all the time. And they walk around smelling bad. And they look disheveled and and slovenly. Is that a word? Slovenly? I think that's the word. Um, And it's terrible that I, I judge people that way. But whenever I'm out in public, I'm looking at people. And I'm sure that expression is on my face. I'm looking at people like, ugh gross you know that that's what's in my mind and heart is i don't i don't want people to touch me i don't i i don't like if somebody like um spits when they talk or whatever and like i've had cases where a little spittle will get on your hand or something i can't stop focusing on that like if if a little bit of spit gets on my arm all i it feels like it's burning into my skin i can't think about anything else. I'm just focused on that. I am not comfortable until I can get somewhere and wash it off. Or if somebody, if I smell, if, if somebody has a weird smell about them, I don't want to touch them. I'm grossed out by it. I, I can't focus on anything else except that smell, you know? And so people, uh, people will be talking to you and that's all I can think about is, is, um, avoiding their spittle or, um, trying not to smell them. Like all I can think about are these things that gross me out and it's terrible. And I think it has to do with the fact that I'm so isolated because again, I'm able to create my own little bubble in isolation and it's a very, very selfish thing. No, you know, no, nothing interrupts my bubble. I'm able to protect myself and live in a way that makes me comfortable and I th- the reason I think it is that isolation is because the more I put myself out, like sometimes I'll, I'll go to Walmart um, to do my grocery shopping or whatever, and I'll sit in the parking lot with Christian music blaring um, in, the, in the hopes that, you know, somebody will hear the words, maybe it'll have an effect on them. And I'll go there, and initially there's all these wicked thoughts in my heart about people, you know, thinking about the grossness and 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 just also there's because I'm an introvert I hate small talk I'm incredibly uncomfortable um with conversation unless we're talking something important but just small talk just I I feel so I just as soon as somebody starts talking to me all I can think about is getting away ending the conversation I'm I'm totally 
uneasy in a conversation. And so I've got that going on in my heart. I've got the the germophobia thing going on in my heart. I've got, you know, of course, my own pride. Pride is always lurking there. Um, just this wicked thought, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a prideful thought, but all those things. But the longer I sit out amongst people, I find my heart softening and starting to grow compassionate towards others. Um, I start to to pity the lost, you know, start to to feel sorry for them, to feel bad for them. And um, that's when it that's what really tied this all together. I've been aware of my faults. I've, I've been like so I see, okay, I'm an introvert. Um, I hate chit chat. I hate those awkward conversations. And I've, I've been aware of that for a long time, and, and I recognize it as a fault. I recognize it as something that prevents me um, from being more sociable. And, and if you're sociable and extroverted, it's going to open more doors for the gospel. You know, like I say, when my introverted attitude and the look on my face, I think pushes people away, scares people away. And so there's not open doors of communication there. And, and that shouldn't be like we want to spread the gospel. It's a hindrance to the gospel. And, and so I'm always aware of that. And I've always been aware of my germophobia and how wrong it is. I, I, I don't know how I'll ever get past that. Like I just, I hate bodily fluids. You know, I'm grossed out by, by everything. You know, I, I don't want anything to do with with bodily fluids i don't it just like i say it 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 burns into if if i'm around somebody and i see something gross that is all i can think about i it, it burns itself into my mind and i'm unable to focus on anything else um so but i can't i shouldn't be judging people on that i shouldn't be having a hard heart towards people with that so I've got all these external things. I've got my countenance. I've got my my um, um, uncomfortableness with 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 conversation. I've got the germophobia thing. These things are hindering the gospel. They're preventing opportunities, and so I, I'm aware of that. But what made me think about the isolation thing is is like I say these these times where I'm sitting in the parking lot, uh, just playing Christian music really loud and watching people and noticing that as I'm amongst them, I start to soften. I start to think more about um, not protecting my own selfish comfort, but I start to think about their need for the gospel. And so I started tying that together and thinking, man, it's really the isolation. And I've heard this before. There's this, you know, as I studied geopolitical conspiracies, New World Order type stuff, there's this theory that... um, Part of technology, like smartphones and everything, is the New World Order is aware of this uh, um, isolation breeding contempt. And they want to to isolate us all from each other. They want to limit one-on-one interactions because they understand that it causes this coldness towards each other. And it makes it easier to pit each other against each other. It makes it easier to create uh, bitterness and hatred towards one another when we're isolated. It's community um, that conquers that. It's being around people that that defeats that. And so I was aware of that before, but it never really clicked in my head that it was occurring to me. I mean, I, I've been aware for a long time of the, um, I, for years now. I, I, I really, since 
uh, uh, C-19 kicked off. I don't know if I can say it. You know, if everything's so censored nowadays, I don't know if... Because this podcast goes on Spotify, so I don't know if they would censor that if I say the word. But ever since that, um, I've been really focused in on the verse that says... Um, because sin abounds, the love of many grows cold. And I've I've recognized my love growing cold as I watch sin abound in society. Like, especially, like, if you spend time um, watching the news, real news, you know, independent journalism, not mainstream media, um, you, you see the wickedness that this system, this New World Order system is doing every day and the demoralization of society every day. And when you look that in the face um, for any extended period of time, you start to get really cold. You start to hate society. You start to hate this wickedness. And, and you start to forget that it's the principalities and powers beyond them. And you just start to look at the individuals doing these things. And, and you start to grow cold. Your love starts to grow cold. So I've been aware of that for years. I've just been thinking about that in myself. I've been trying to counteract. Uh, because there were a couple of years where I was just, I was watching, um, I was, you know, wrapped up in the media uh, for a long, just every day. And seeing... Uh, the lies and the deception and the wickedness and, and how people are just going along with it. And I would just, I'd get so furious. I would just be boiling with anger, um, wanting justice, wanting vengeance, wanting righteousness, um, wanting judgment. And, and so that verse, the Lord brought that verse to mind to counteract that. I just, I've been realizing, oh man, my, I, I can't let these things quench my love for others. But I think isolation does that as well. The The more and more I isolate myself, the more distanced from society and, and social interaction I become, um, the more cold towards people I become. And I think it's it's different. It's it's not um because I'm I'm wanting like when you look at the the, the world events and the demoralization of society, it's you there's a it almost feels like a righteous anger because you want justice. But this is different. This is this is isolation causes a selfishness. I get I I get so used to having my way and being in my own comfort zone um that I start to look at people as a threat to that. I start to to see everybody as a threat to my comfortableness. Um that's why some of my brothers say, you know, I'm not fit for marriage because they're like, man, you invite somebody into your life and um I think that's a different whole different thing, you know. I think they're you're making a conscious decision to share your life but maybe it has to be that way with everybody too not just in marriage maybe you know we have to make a conscious decision that um in order to reach people in order to to have an effect on society for the for the gospel for the kingdom i have to sacrifice my comfort i have to set aside my selfishness and um like I say, there's just a lot of factors that that uh, prevent it, um, namely my countenance, uh, my my demeanor, my my um, 
uncomfortableness and and my germophobia these all these things tie together to make it really hard for me to reach out and embrace society um so I don't know how I'm going to get past it. I mean, it ha being aware of it is the first step, I guess. And just kind of, I, I guess I would have to just force myself out into the public sphere, force myself into social settings and just kind of, because like I say, when, once you're there, it's almost like by nature, I guess it is because of the Holy Spirit within us, we we naturally start to grow more compassionate towards others and and. and uh, we start to, to, to be more outwardly focused than inwardly focused. Um, but yeah, so just a, a fault I recognize in myself that I wanted to share. All right. So that's what I got for you guys this week. Um, as always, I truly appreciate you listening. I love you. And Lord willing, we'll talk to you next time.